Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, Dustin Huff on the program. He took the new um, number two all time typical buck in, in the state of Indiana. And today, we're really honored to have uh, David Jones. David Jones uh, took one of the um, other largest bucks taken in the state last year in Indiana. Uh, David, welcome to the program. Yeah. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Good. You know, when you, when you think uh, big buck states, I think some of the ones that immediately come to mind in the Iowa, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, but Indiana is really right there producing some incredible quality bucks, you know, and, and, and certainly um, you may not hear as much about it, but it's producing some tremendous antler deer every year, such as the case with your deer. You took a, a 182 plus non-typical last year um, and you have quite a story behind that. So uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, David, how long have you been hunting and how did you get into bow hunting? Yeah, it's been about 21 years now. I started when I was about 16 years old, hanging down bow for my dad. Um, I shot compounds and recurves and stuff like that as a kid, but I actually started deer hunting when I was around 16 years old with dad's old bow. It was a, I think it was a Pearson spoiler, like 85, 90 pound draw, had, uh, you know, steel, steel cables and uh, two pin sight. So you pretty much could shoot to 20 and maybe 25 and there the pin gap on those was huge you know shooting uh i think 23 17s or something like that yeah so needless to say i shot over the backs of a lot of deer because no range finders back then and um i didn't actually start killing any deer until i'd say around maybe 2006 or 7 with a bow um and by that time i'd upgraded to a, a buddy's hand-me-down bow and I think it was maybe more like a 2005 or so so i had a little bit shooting flatter trajectory and didn't have a rangefinder still but um so yeah i've been i've been hunting and trapping and fishing my whole life since i was a little kid uh started deer hunting when i was eight by myself i'd, I'd started trapping and running doing all that stuff my dad just trapped for a living so i was always outside doing stuff with him like that uh since i was you know old enough to get around on my own but uh when i was nine i actually got a funny story when i was eight one of the biggest bucks i ever saw uh muzzle loader hunting had a i think it was one of the early end lines back then but it had a fold down rear sight huh. and sure enough this giant buck came by and i took my one shot at him didn't wasn't big enough and strong enough to reload so that only sent me out with one one ready to go piece of ammo <laughs> And uh, that back sight was folded down and totally missed him. And we've been kicking ourselves ever since. You know, dad's like, oh, I should have been right there with you. You know, you're eight years old, not thinking he's going to get a chance at a buck of a lifetime. But we've always joked that was my buck of a lifetime. I missed him. But uh, followed it up the next year when I was nine, uh, had an over and under 20 gauge. Uh Uh, And I ended up getting four deer that year. And I've been pretty successful ever since. And but. uh, this year is definitely one of the biggest bucks that I've ever seen. Never mind to actually get a chance to take a crack at. So, yeah, we're going to dive into that. But this uh, this is a deer that had a a twenty seven inch main beams, and uh, I think the spread was just over twenty two inches. And you could talk a little more yeah. about that. But go on. But but like, so how did you first uh, identify this deer? Was it something where it just showed up one day? Had you seen it on cameras in previous years? Yeah. So I killed the deer in November of two thousand twenty one. 
And in January 2021, we actually got some trail camera pictures of this buck. We're pretty sure it's the same one. And he was he was big then, but not as big as he was in the next year. But uh, it was late archery. I think archery season went to like January 7th or something like that that year. And so I put up a, a, a portable stand like a lone wolf and was trying to get close to where we thought he was coming in and out of this certain area, but never did see him again. And it was cold then, you know, so pretty hard to sit all day or anything like that. But most of the pictures that we had him, I think were in, in the night. So he definitely was a more of a nocturnal deer. And that's also what we kind of found out later on too, for some neighbors who, after I killed him, started sharing some photos and a lot of nighttime activity. Uh, they had actually been feeding him. Um, I don't know how far away, I, over a mile, I think away. Uh -huh. Um, and they were seeing him all the way through August. And then in September, they said, boom, he just disappeared. And I never saw, I never saw him in person, uh, until the day, the 30 seconds to two minutes before I got, <laughs> got a chance to shoot an arrow at him. So. You know, and that's interesting you say that you hear that as a common theme, no matter where people hunt the state, you'll see you'll see a deer on camera for a while and then it'll just totally vanish, whether that's yeah. as the season started as you get into that what people might call the, the lull in October or whatever, and then it'll show up for a short window right before the rut or into the rut. So it's it's interesting that you mentioned that. And and then the other thing is you you may not have heard a lot about the deer prior, but once uh, somebody harvested deer, such in your case, yeah. then you start to hear other guys had it on camera or the people picked it up on yeah. trail camera, sometimes even pretty far away is you know, as you mentioned there, but so now what part of the state were you hunting? Are you hunting public land, private land? No, it's private land. It's a farm. It's actually one of my favorite farms to just kind of go and relax. And I killed a few does out of the stand, had chances of bucks, but none of them were ever big enough really to, to shoot. So I always passed them. The place isn't, I think it's only around 60 acres, um, but uh, had hay on it for years. And then it went over to row crops the last couple of years, but uh, it's just a nice quiet spot off the road way back it's kind of quite the climb to get up there. It's pretty rough ground. So uh, there's uh, actually a little hill that's probably 40 feet vertical going up, but you only, it's very steep trying to get up there into it. So it's kind of a challenge, but not many people go back in that area just due to it being so rough. Um, so I was just back there, just one of my favorite places to hang out in the fall. There's quite a few oak trees. So you usually get quite a bit of deer just browsing around turkeys, things like that. And um, yeah, that's, that's just one of my spots that I went to knew the wind was going to be good for it and decided to sit there until I couldn't sit there any longer. So, yeah, And you, you think that's a part of the puzzle there, that it was sort of a sanctuary spot because it wasn't easy access. Maybe there wasn't a lot of pressure. I just don't think there's a whole lot of archery hunters back there in that area. Um, gun season comes. Yeah. There'll be, there'll be guys pretty close to us uh, opening day, opening weekend. But for the most part, I hardly ever see anybody back there. So it's a pretty good spot. Yeah. Now you took this deer in, in November. Let's, let's talk about the specifics of that hunt. Um, you'd obviously hunted in the fall. How did your season go when you're out in say October and in, as you were moving towards November? Well, so this year was, uh, definitely an outlier for me compared to my previous years. I use, I usually hunt maybe 30, 40 days a year. Um, but 2021 season, I uh, just had some family stuff going on. Uh, I kind of lost a little bit of my drive, uh, just some hard stuff going through lost a lost an uncle um and other things going on so i really didn't get to hunt that much uh which is funny because the year before i killed eight deer um four of them with bow and 
that year, last year, 2021, uh, I think I only got three deer that year. So just a, not as many hours put in. Um, I did go out to Colorado in August and hunted for mule deer with a bow. And I had a bear tag with a rifle, but I just hunted most of the time with a bow while I was mule deer hunting. Uh, spent, I think, six days out there. Uh, I don't really remember how many days I hunted total, but not much because believe it or not, this is the first buck that I actually saw from the stand that year. <laughs> so people are going to be jealous and mad when they hear that, but I've passed on tons and tons of 130s and 140s through the years. So um, I put in my time, but at the same time, I never would have imagined I'd see this giant coming by. Now, now before we get too far into this story, you mentioned you were mule deer hunting out west in, in August. Did you have any luck when you were bow hunting for muleys? I got close to some does. Um, got about 80 yards to a, a decent buck, which I would have taken because it was all public land. Um, but didn't have the, he saw me coming. It was too late. Uh, it was really hot, yeah. uh, dry, and it was it was pretty tough stalking weather. So, And I'd never been bow hunting for mule deer out there before. I've done a lot of elk hunting. Uh, but never done any mule deer hunting before. So and just happened to luck in to get raw for both mule deer and elk, or sorry, mule deer and bear. So I just went for it and tried it out and had a great time as usual out there. It's, you know, it's a beautiful place to be uh, when you can't hunt much back here. So. Yeah, no, no. Um, back to your home state where you were hunting. If I heard you correctly, this was actually the first buck you saw. And, yeah. And, and yeah, you know, you, sometimes that's the way things go. You can hunt. Yeah. Um, hard all season and not have any luck. And then sometimes um, the cards or whatever fate just falls in your favor. And this sounds like yeah. uh, obviously knowing that you were in a good spot and, and having an idea that the buck was there, that things worked out really well for you. But uh, now let's talk about the, the, the day you got that deer, uh, how that hunt go. Yeah. So got in early morning, um, you know, way before daylight climbed up. It's a, it's a funny tree stand that's been there since we bought the farm. I've always liked it. It's got a very tiny platform though. So my dad never sits there. Uh, he's always wanting to replace it. And I'm like, I don't know. There's something about it. I just like it. <laughs> uh, ended up seeing maybe five does that morning early. And after about an hour after daylight, didn't see much. Um, had a big flock of turkeys, maybe 20 or 25 turkeys come through. Um, and they started feeding. So I was facing north, so over my over to the left, so the northwest, these turkeys came through, feeding on acorns, I assume, or whatever else, grubs or whatever was around those acorns. They ended up kind of feeding around behind me, and I was watching them for a while. Uh, and then it was, like I said, back 9.15, 9.30, didn't really expect to have much activity uh, that time in the day, just from previous experience. Seems like it doesn't really start picking back up until 11 or so. So I was actually, uh, like I told you earlier, I lost an uncle in... Uh, in August of that year. Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to take his granddaughter, who's my cousin or second cousin. He's supposed to take her deer hunting the following weekend, which was opening weekend of gun season. So I grabbed my phone and I started texting with her, just asking her the basic stuff. First time hunter things, making sure, trying to pick up where he left off. Um, just didn't want her to be disappointed. You know, she already had lost her granddad and I lost my uncle and just, just kind of catching up with her, making sure she was uh, looking forward to our hunt the following weekend. And um, I probably text with her for maybe five or six minutes, something like that. And I actually slid my phone in my pocket and it wasn't maybe a minute or two later. I heard what I thought was the turkeys behind me. And when I peeked around my right shoulder, I saw antlers coming. <laughs> he was probably 40 yards away. Um, 
and he was coming angling a little bit away from me it looked like from what i thought but he ended up coming about 20 yards over my right shoulder and i'm right-handed so by the time i first saw him i had to reach over and grab my bow and and shuffle my feet you know around to be able to to at least get set up to potentially shoot behind me and to my right which is one of the harder shots for shooting out of a tree stand for me um and I didn't know he was as big as he was, but I knew that he was, I was always trying to get something. I've killed some deer in the one fifties, one forties, um, never killed a, a buck bigger than one fifty with my bow though. I think the biggest buck I've killed was like a one forty three or something like, and this is all just, I've never really scored deer besides just kind of guessing on my own, um, yeah. you know, trying to measure it to the form. So I could be a little off, but good deer killed some good deer with my bow but this one was definitely going to be way bigger than anything i've ever killed before so i i was ready to shoot him but i had no clue what he was till later on um yeah he came in to about 20 yards he was quartering to me pretty heavy uh but there was really not going to be any chance at a broadside shot just with the trees that were in the way off that side um and why he was marching through in that direction like just kind of was a strange spot. I usually had the deer over my left side, you know, that's why I like that tree stand so well for bow hunting. But anyway, so he was there about 20 yards quartering to me. And, uh, I, I took the shot when I had a chance. Um, I do think he saw me up there shuffling around a little bit too, because he was, he was looking up towards me, uh, put the arrow right where I aimed, uh, a little bit in front of the front shoulder, you know, aiming for the offside lung. And so that let the shot go. It looked, looked like where I aimed, but, uh, something that I'd never really had happen before is I saw fletches and most of the shaft I thought sticking out. Uh-huh. So I started really getting worried. I was like, Oh, you know what? I must've hit his shoulder, you know, something serious. I thought maybe I only got like six inches of penetration or something and, or could have maybe even grazed off and went off his onside out the back or something and not hit anything at all. Uh, he immediately started running and ran right into a tree uh, I think it was an oak tree that's probably like it could have been a poplar actually but anyways it's a big tree it was like a 24 26 inch diameter tree and snapped what arrow was hanging out off and I still remember to this day it's flying through the air and I'm just like what is going on here like most of my shots you know I just I'm, I'm kind of a bigger guy and I shoot a 70 pounds 30 inch 30 and a half inch draw length uh 560 grain arrow uh, fixed blade, like everything set up for real good penetration, I would think. And to see that happen, I was very alarmed. Um, so he, he kept running off after he ran into that tree. Didn't really see any signs of struggle running, no laboring running, no, you know, signs of being hit vitally. Uh, he stopped about 150 yards. There's a bean field adjacent to this woods I'm in. And he stopped in the, what I'm going to say is the corner of that bean field. and by the time I hung my bow up and grabbed my binoculars to see what he was doing standing there, like I thought maybe I'd at least go see which direction he was headed, you know, so that way I could pick up the trail from there in a couple hours. Uh, I couldn't find him in my binoculars. And I spent 10 minutes probably up there scanning around, looking to see if I could just see some sign of which direction he went. So I, from the tree stand with my binoculars, I'm looking for blood, you know, I'm trying to figure out what happened. Uh, I text my dad, I tell him, Hey, you know, I shot a buck. He's like, well, how big, how good, you know, how good is the hit? I said, well, the arrow went right where I aimed, but I can't guarantee it. You know how it goes. I don't really know exactly what happened. 
but everything looks like it's going right. Um, he said, well, just hang tight and, you know, I'll be there in 45 minutes. He was, he was hunting also, but, uh, probably like 45 minutes, no, not that long, 30, 30, 35 minutes away. Um, about, so I waited in the tree stand, you know, doing the running the whole reel through my head, trying to figure out what happened and what's going on. I did get down over to the, the spot of the, the shot, looked for blood, did recover the arrow. I've got the broken, this is the broken piece here. So it's, uh, here's the whole thing. I don't know how good that is showing up, but that's what was in them. And that's what broke off. So less than half the arrow. So I was pretty, uh, disturbed to see that too. Um, cause I was estimating holding it up to my other arrows that I probably only had like 14 inches or so of arrow missing. Yeah. Um, so looked for tracks right there at the spot of the, you know, found his tracks easy because it was really easy track and there's a lot of leaf cover. He's a heavy deer. He left real heavy tracks. Didn't find a single spot of blood anywhere within that. I only walked the trail, maybe 10 steps, not very far. didn't want to spook him in case he maybe was potentially bedded up there at that 110, 150 yards, however far he ran. Um, got back in the tree, waited for my dad to show up. He showed up. We did the same thing. We picked back up on the tracks. Um, we tracked all the way through that woods. So over a hundred yards, easy, real easy to track his footprints. So we found not a single drop of blood. And we, you know, we're both going, Oh boy, you know, we're going to have a long day in store here trying to, uh-huh. trying to find this deer and recover. And of course he's running off of our property. So dad's on the phone calling the, the neighbors and making sure they're okay with us trailing and everything. And the, the guy who owned the bean field said it was okay for us to go over there. So we start tracking through the bean field and we, there's a little bit of a, a waterway. We drop down into this waterway and come back up and that hill had a, had contained, you know, had a hidden, had hidden the deer. He was laying right where I last saw him. He dropped on the spot um, in the corner of that bean field. So well, both of us at 50 yards away saw this deer. We looked at each other because with him laying there like that, we just knew he was way bigger than what we both thought. Um, you know, kind of gave each other a hug and we both, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to cheer up a little. Losing my, losing my uncle, that was my dad's older brother. It was it was a rough year, so it was a neat experience to share that with my dad. Well, first of all, sorry for your loss, and um, but congratulations on a tremendous year. Yeah, glad that your dad was there to help you sort of uh, put the finishing touches on looking for that deer. And uh, yeah. I know you probably have bittersweet um, thoughts about uh, that whole entire experience, but it is a, an amazing deer. Uh, 13 points, as I mentioned earlier, uh, 27 inch main beams. Uh, the official score, I think, for for Boo, for Pope and Young, and uh, also in the Hoosier record book program, is a 182 and four eights. Um, you know, yep. it's just an incredible deer, and we're going to share some of those pictures out via social media. Um, yeah. But uh, what an incredible buck! Um, now, what were your first thoughts when you walked up to that deer? Because you obviously said it was a, a very special hunt for you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was neat to have my dad there, like you said. Um, and what's funny is, uh, so I think it gross scored like 201. Uh-huh. Um, and he's got a drop tine on the right side. I've never killed one with a drop tine. I've split him with, I've killed him with split brows and with kickers out the back and stuff like that. But another, never like a five inch brow tire drop tine. So that was pretty cool. But just overall, just the, 
the size of the deer. I never did get a chance to weigh them. Um, like I told you, I was kind of moving and stuff in October and just had some family stuff going on. So a lot of my, a lot of my scales, a lot of my hunting stuff and just personal items were all scattered about and I didn't have a chance to weigh him, but he was huge deer. Uh, just the, the size of him and, and the antlers was really neat. Uh, his G threes are, I think pushing 14 inches here. Yeah. 13 inches on one side and, uh, a little over 12 and a half inches on the other. And they have some neat kickers out the back and they're kind of bladed and just a very, yeah, just deer of a lifetime. And, um, it was a, yeah, it was, uh, a good way for me to, to start that hunting year or to, I don't know, just in general, just, I, I was ready for, to get my drive again for hunting because, uh, I'd had a lot of bad stuff going on that year and it was pretty neat that, uh, the girl that I was telling you that my cousin that I was going to take hunting, her dad also died in 2012 in a car accident. And then my uncle, uh, last year in a construction accident or machinery repair accident. Um, and then texting with her about taking her for her first time. It just, uh, it kind of felt like it was a little bit of a pat on the back from those two. Cause they were my hunting buddies too. Uh, grew up with them. And so kind of a little, something maybe special going on, you know, just with that whole thing that, uh, made me pretty happy and excited so if you don't mind me asking did you take her out the following week or did you take her out during sure the season? Did. how'd it go <laughs> she had better luck than me on our first time uh we, she killed a pretty <laughs> nice eight pointer yeah very nice so yeah. obviously that was a, a great way to sort of wrap up the year a very special moment yeah. between the two of you and uh yeah so, it was uh, very cool it was neat it was snow flying of course it was 60 degrees the day i killed my buck the weekend before and there was snow flying and she was freezing cold <laughs> the next weekend with a gun in her hand. So, yep, she did good. It was, uh, I was really proud of her. Yeah. You know, the, the weather can be very crazy in the Midwest, but I'm glad both of you had success with you getting a deer in a lifetime and her having success very early on. So, um, yeah. you know, let's back up a little bit. You mentioned a couple of things that I thought were interesting in, uh, uh, as you were telling the story about the, the day you got the deer. First thing is you mentioned you get a stand on the property uh, when you bought the property or when you got when you started hunting mm -hmm. the property. I was just curious, is that a permanent stand? Was it a ladder stand? Yeah. What kind of stand was it? It's actually some, the ladder is some kind of homemade thing. Uh, it's like made out of like one by one tube steel. Uh, they're spread apart. There's two risers, vertical risers. They're spread apart, maybe eight inches. And then every foot or so, they've got a little piece welded in. Well, that's grown into this tree so much that the guy who sold the place couldn't recover it. Um, it was just grown in. He was going to have to destroy it pretty much if he was going to take it with him. So, uh, and then the, the stand itself is just a little, uh, lock on style, very small platform. The seat's not, you know, squirrels chew the seat away. So there's nowhere to even sit. You just stand up there. Um, but it's a good spot. Yep. No, that's great. And, uh, you know, you were talking about your um, setup that you're using as far as your um, arrow and your broadhead and being yeah, away yeah. for penetration. But what kind of broadhead were you using? What kind of arrow? You put it up quickly. I didn't get to see what yeah. it was. But yeah, it's a this is the actual arrow there. It's an iron wheel wide, uh, 125 grain. Um, the arrows are Axis 260 spine. Um, I think, like I said, the total arrow weight's around 560 or something like that. I do have a outsert here uh, or a collar. Not an outsert, yeah, it's a collar. Uh, it was just, it's my elk arrow and deer arrow. I just, I like shooting one arrow. I shoot a lot of 3D in the summertime. Um, so I just like shooting with my hunting rig and making sure I'm, everything's good. So uh, yeah, it's four-fletched. You know, I like quiet, um, a lot of stability. 
You, and you found uh, both pieces. So. Sorry, what was that? I said you found both pieces, which was is pretty amazing. Sometimes you don't find both pieces. Yeah, well, the one was still in them. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, back to the shot. Yeah, that arrow went in perfect. Like I said, the head of the shoulder clipped the onside lung, uh-huh. um, went just above the heart, and got into some really good arteries and uh, above the heart, and then demolished the offside lung. Um, broke through the ribs and was poking through, but never penetrated the skin. So that's why we never found any blood. The entrance hole was up so high and the exit was down low, but never broke through. If it would have poked through, it would have been a, a really easy track job. So he just never did fill up that cavity with blood to, to leave any kind of blood trail behind. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was happy with, with the performance for all the, the meat and bones that it went through uh, at that angle. Um, yeah, I was shooting a prime CT3. It's, uh, it's like 70 pound, 30 inch draw. So, yeah, congratulations. And yeah, you're talking about the shot, obviously a, a well-placed shot just uh, got slowed down by uh, going through the ribs and just, yeah. I've had it happen too, but it's a great shot. And, uh, um, you know, so, you know, when you, you think about getting this, it, it's a, a buck that big, a Boone and Crockett caliber buck, uh, especially for an archer, incredible accomplishment. Yeah. What do you do next? Would you, do you have a goal next or are you just like focused on enjoying the hunt and whatever comes your way in future deer? Yeah. Seasons? I, I really like, uh, just even the does that I didn't get worked up that much over them. I didn't have much time. Uh-huh. I'm sure I would have been shaking really bad had I had a little more time to figure out what, how big he really was and that I was going to shoot him. But I, I get worked up over just, you know, doe hunting. Uh, I like filling my freezer with, with deer meat. I got two kids mm-hmm. and we, uh, have a lot of cookouts and enjoy, enjoy it all year long. So just to make sure I keep my freezer full with, uh, some nice dough meat and um it also with dad farming and everything try to keep the the total herd count down and healthy because a lot of the woods you can look around and see the browse lines just they're they're hungry so try to keep a healthy population and uh i'd say some of my goals would be to if my kids want to get them out hunting uh they're nine and seven right now Um, they've been with me a few times um but i think maybe this year uh, they'll probably want to go a little more. They seem to be getting a little bit more fired up about it. So they're big fishermen right now, but I don't know how big a hunters they want to be, but not trying to push it on them. But we'll see how they like it. My daughter started the same way. She started fishing. Then she's gone out with me and, and uh, sort of dabbled in it and archery and, and bow hunting. But uh, you know, one of the other things as you were sharing your story that, that uh, I made a note of to ask you, you mentioned when you first saw the deer, you thought it was actually moving away from you, but it ended up coming pretty close. Uh, well, I, I was wondering if you put any away. Yeah, sorry. I thought he was angling away, not really uh, totally going the opposite direction, but I thought he was going to be farther away than 20 yards by the time he got into this clearing area where I had to shoot. So did you put any sense out or did you do anything to try and track me? It was just one of those things where it just happened to walk naturally and yeah. a great shot. Yeah, uh, I think I'd say it's just that stand location. It's about 50 yards away from a fence row uh, oh. along that bean field. And I, I think it's just kind of one of those natural spots where off to my left side, there's a real steep ravine and there's just no way to get around that. And it's just a more or less a funnel area where they just pretty much have to go through there or cut across the open field, which they'll cut across the open field. I've seen them do that in like gun season when they get a lot of pressure, but it seems like during bow season, they always stick right there in that woods. And so I've got 50 yards to my right and about 55 yards to my left. And I'm right in the middle of it. And most of the deer activity just happens to be passing through right there by me. So yeah, I think it's just stand location. 
Yeah, that's a good natural setup where obviously they're going to be channeled toward you or at least come pretty yeah. close to your proximity. Uh, so, yeah. So so where's the deer now? What did you do with it? Did you get it mounted? Did you? Did... Yeah, he's still at the taxidermy. So that's kind of a funny story, too. Uh, initially, when uh, we had some guys, because like I said, I don't know anything about scoring deer. I just know what good deer are and um, took it to a couple people and they scored it a lot higher than what he actually was. Uh-huh. So I was... <laughs> I was uh, a little worried. They had me worried. They're like, oh, you need to go get the rack, you know, and keep it in your possession because if that could stolen, you know, that could be something somebody wants to steal. And so um, I went and got it. And at the 60 day mark or 61 day mark or whatever it's uh-huh. supposed to be, I, I took it to an official score by my house. And um, after that, I found out, you know, that he wasn't a world record deer or anything like that. But still, you know, of course, a great deer. Uh, I took it back to the taxidermy and he still has it. And I haven't bugged him yet about it. So. It should be done, I'd hope, within the next month or so. My birthday's coming up. Maybe I can get it get it done by then. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, again, congratulations. It it's an uh, incredible deer when you see the pictures. They're absolutely amazing. This this deer just pops out at you. And uh uh, you know, I, one of those situations where I think everything just worked out for you and uh you had to deal with some challenges this year. And so that's a, a nice way to at least end your deer season. So um Anything else you wanted to share with us uh, about the story or anything led up? I mean, you did a great job recounting the hunt and how everything yeah. went, but uh, I don't know if anything cool. else pops out. No, no, I don't think so. That's that's about it. I uh, really appreciate it. And thanks for, for asking for the story. Well, well, thank you so much for, for joining us on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Again, congratulations on an incredible buck. Um, and for everybody who is listening, you know, if you're thinking about hunting out of state, uh, Ohio, Iowa come to mind, but uh, Indiana offers some incredible whitetail deer hunting, still offers some very affordable tags for non-residents. And you have in certain areas, good amount of public land with the National Forest and the yeah. WMAs and things like that. So, uh, David, yeah, some thank you. Of mine, oh yeah, well, some buddies of mine go down to Hoosier National Forest. Um, and we've had some pretty good luck. I killed a doe down there two years ago. Uh, so, yep, there's, there's a lot of National Forest all around the whole country. So get out there and just give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. Well, David, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on the Bowhunting Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bowhunting Podcast. All bowhunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on your local newsstand. Or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.